Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett on the Tuesday broadcast, and this is part two on the subject of how to have peace. And what we're looking at is the advent of peace. We're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Christ. Last week, we talked about the blessed hope that we have in Christ. And I'm so glad that I have a hope so salvation. I have my hope in Christ. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have that blessed hope that Jesus, just as he came the first time, he's coming again. He came the first time not to judge the world, but he came to seek and to save those who are lost. And I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Christ has set my feet upon a solid rock. He's given me the wonderful word of God that we can proclaim on the broadcast. He's given me the Holy Spirit that will never abandon me nor forsaken me. He's given me the blessed hope of a future that is secure, all because of what Christ has done for us. And I'm so glad that I have that hope. And it's called the blessed hope. It's the hope found in Christ. But along with that blessed hope, we also have peace. And that peace is called the peace that transcends all understanding. In other words, it doesn't make sense that you can have peace even though our world is in turmoil. We can have that peace in Christ. As I look at this subject of peace, we are looking at Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So this gift of peace is given unto us through the Son, Jesus Christ, and the government shall be on his shoulders. And this is what it's going to be called. Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Peace is found 249 times in the Bible. And peace is a subject that Jesus talked about often. Now, he didn't talk about having peace in this current world. As a matter of fact, John 14, 33, he says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. But then he says, in this world, you're not going to have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So the peace of Christ drives through and overcomes the trouble that we have in this world. So we're looking at the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. Let me read it to you quickly, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the ministry of angels and how they are the announcers of peace, how they're given the job to magnify God, how they're given the job to be messengers of God, and how they're given the job to be ministers of people, all from the backdrop of the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For there is born today, in that city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this is going to be a sign to you. You're going to find that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared. So it began with one angel giving the announcement, And then it begins with a heavenly host that is appearing, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, in the highest of heavens, and on earth peace to those whom favor rests. So we have a clue here as to who gets this peace, those on whom God's favor rests. So we learn from this account in Luke chapter 2 
that angels are given three primary jobs. Number one is to magnify God. And not only are they magnifying him here at his birth, but we see at the end of human history in Revelation chapter 5, they are in heaven, the voice of many angels. They're really beyond numbers, thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000s. They're encircled around the throne, and they are singing with a loud voice, and this is what they're singing. By the way, we're going to be singing right along with them. I'm so glad when I get to heaven, I'll be able to sing, right? And the song is, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So angels are called upon. Their job, their primary job is to magnify God. You know, I have a friend of mine, and he started a church up in Northern Virginia, and he says, the goal of our church is to proclaim the fame of God wherever we go. I don't you love that? So we are magnifying the Lord. We are doing one of the jobs alongside of those angels, magnifying God. Let every breath magnify the Lord. And the second job of the angels is to also be the messengers for God. When God has a very important message, oftentimes he'll share that message with somebody who is an insignificant person and somebody he wants to do a really significant task. And we learn in Matthew chapter 28 that the message that the angel gave to the women that were at the tomb was, don't be afraid, Christ has risen. Can you imagine that, that the angels shared that message? The first messenger of the gospel was the angels telling those women who came to that tomb to go in quickly, tell the other disciples that Christ has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you're going to see him. Behold, I have told you. Oh, I love the fact that angels give most important messengers for God, and we are given that same opportunity to share the gospel. And then number three, now this ought to light your fire right here. Angels are ministers to people. They are guardian angels. They're ministering to us by protecting us. And many times I think we forget just the wonderful ministry that are given to us through angels. In Hebrews 1.14, it says that angels are servants, but they're spirits sent to care for people who would inherit salvation. And so as a believer, you have, I think, at least one angel assigned to you. You probably have more than that, because here it says it's their sent, and it says angels, right? It's plural, it's not single. It doesn't say you have an angel. It says angels are the servants, and there's the spirits sent to care for people who inherit salvation. So those who are born again, I think, have more angels than those who are not born again. And so as we look at what the ministry of angels is, oftentimes they appear suddenly, and even to ordinary people. That's the case of Mary and Joseph. You know, angels, when they first come on the scene, they can give you a reason to be afraid. We see that in the book of Isaiah. I mean, when Isaiah saw those cherubim, right? Uh, Those are the same angels that are depicted uh, on the Ark of the Covenant, those two cherubim angels that are carved and they're facing each other on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. When Isaiah saw and came face to face with the seraphim, he cries out with a loud voice. And he says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And after being exposed to the glory of God, he says, woe is me. Woe is me. He was undone. 
he fell apart in the presence of God as those angels declared his glory. But I'm so glad that the angels oftentimes, as they come before us with a message, they say, don't be afraid. You know, angels, although they do a wonderful ministry, we are commanded not to adore them, not to worship them, not to pray to them. The psalmist was very clear, Psalm 103, verse 20, that praise goes to the Lord and even tells the angels to praise the Lord, but we are never commanded to praise the angels. You see, angels are given a mighty job. They are to bring about comfort and to minister to God's people. You know, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul mentions angels, and he says to young Timothy, beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. In other words, you see somebody that is really on fire for God, and they really are sincere in their walk with the Lord. He says, there's a little bit of a mystery of that. How did that person get to that point? Well, he says here that when we look at the Spirit working in the lives of believers, that that Spirit was seen by angels, it was preached by the nations, it was believed in the world, it was taken up to glory. You see, the mystery is found that godliness is found in a relationship with Christ, being completely surrendered to him, being totally given over to the fact that Christ rose again from the dead and that he appeared in the flesh to those early believers. And he was even seen by the angels. You know, when Jesus was being tempted, the devil took him to a high place. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, He was being tempted, and it says in Matthew 4.1 that when the devil left him after the temptation, the angels came and attended him. You know, I've discovered that oftentimes right after a victory is when I need the most help. You know, most people fall right after a great victory because they're exhausted. They have driven themselves. They've overworked themselves, and, and they completed the task, and they had the victory, but then they tend to let their guard down. And so angels came to Jesus. Angels will attend to us in our greatest time of need, after a victory, and also before a great challenge. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke chapter 22? It says that an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. I'm so glad that we have these angels that minister to us in our time of need. When we're exhausted, the angels come. When we're basking in a celebration, the angels come. During Jesus' resurrection, Mark chapter 16, we see that an angel entered into the tomb, and as they looked at that tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. What is that man, that young man? That was an angel. According to Mark 16, 55, an angel is in that tomb, and that angel is going to minister to those women as they come into that tomb. When Jesus ascended up to heaven, I love this story. This is fascinating. In Acts chapter number one, just before the foundation or the beginning of the church, in Acts chapter one, verse number 10, it says that they were looking, the disciples were looking intently into the sky as he was going. And then suddenly, two men dressed in white beside them said, Men of Galilee. Who are these two men in white? They're angels. 
And he says, why are you looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven is going to come back in the same way that you see him go up into heaven. Isn't this wonderful? The angels announce the birth of Christ. The angels announce the resurrection of Christ. The angels make an announcement at the ascension of Christ. And they said, hey, guys, by the way, Jesus, who is ascending up to heaven, going up into the sky, he's going to come back the same way. That's his second coming. And so the angels are also going to be at the second advent. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then we will sit, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Oh, it is wonderful to know that angels are very much involved during his first advent, during his second advent. I am so happy to announce that God uses angels to minister to us. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 13, we're giving a, a kind of a strong exhortation about helping those who are in need. And Paul says, you may be helping somebody and entertaining an angel unaware. I've heard story after story of how somebody came along and helped somebody else in their time of need, and they were actually entertaining an angel unaware. I want you to know that God gives us angels to deliver wonderful messages, but I think today the primary ministry of the angels is to minister to us. Well, we're talking about peace today, and I want to ask you, are you prepared to receive the peace of Christ in your life and in your heart? You know, the message of the gospel that was given 2,000 years ago, that started to be given 2,000 years ago, some rejected it. And they said, there's, there's no way this can be true. Now, Jesus predicted this was going to happen. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. As you're listening to me today, I hope that you will respond to the gospel. You see, it's easy to reject Jesus right now, but one day you will not have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Uh, there is a classic novel written by Eugene Ongin, who is a Russian novelist, and he talks about a young girl in the countryside. This young girl, Tatiana, wrote him a letter offering him her love. Ongin doesn't reply. When they meet again, he turns her down. He said, you know, the letter was very touching, he tells her. But he would soon grow bored of being married to her. She was just a commoner. And so he rejects her love offer. Well, years later, Angin enters into St. Petersburg party. And, and as he's at this party, he sees this stunningly beautiful woman. It is none other than Tatiana. But now she is married. Angen falls in love with her. He tries to desperately win her back. But Tatiana refuses him. Once the door was open, she offered him her love. But now 
it is shut. You see, for many of us, it is easy to reject Jesus now. Like Tatiana's letter to Angin, his offer is touching, but we believe we'll be happy without such a commitment. We worry that he's going to cramp our style, so we move on in life and we leave him. We reject his majesty. We will know in that moment that all of our greatest treasures were worth nothing one day in the future, and we will bitterly regret that decision. But it will be no more unfair than Tatiana's rejection of Angen. You see, if we accept Jesus now, we will live with him forever in a fullness of life we cannot imagine. If we reject him, he will one day reject us, and we will be eternally devastated. You see, the choice is ours. When I think about living at peace, I am at peace with God because I've received the gift of salvation. I am made at peace with God because Christ has forgiven my sins. Oh, it's a narrow gate. And I know many people do not receive this message of the gospel. But I want you to know that those who do experience that peace that passes all understanding. I beg of you, I plead with you to receive this free gift of salvation before it's too late. As we look at the Christmas story, we see a picture of how our world is today. Some reluctantly accepted. They were not sure that it would be true. Even if you accept the message with reluctance, I believe you grow in your faith. I look at the story of Mary, and we look at Mary, and she is given the news that she's going to be the mother of Jesus. Let's pick up the story in verse number 26, and it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. Now, now we kind of downplay Joseph in the Christmas story, and Joseph is primary there as a stepdad to Jesus. He's not the father of Jesus, but we have him in the account of Christ because he's a descendant of David. So he's part of the lineage of Christ. And we discover that Joseph is a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now we discover that as the angel appears to Mary, she's greatly troubled at his words. And she's wondering what kind of greeting this might be. So the angel says, hey, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You're going to conceive and you're going to give birth to a son and you're going to call him Jesus. And Jesus is going to be great and he's going to be called the son of the most high. The Lord's going to give him that throne of his father, David, and it reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom is never going to end. And so Mary asks a question. And it's an honest and a sincere question. How will this be? I'm a virgin. And so the angel answers, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then the angel continues by saying, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And so she is not going to be able to conceive because she's too old, but it's going to be a, a miraculous birth. 
You see, no word from God will ever fail. And look at how Mary responded. I love how she responded. She says, okay, I am the Lord's servant. You see, you don't have to have all the answers. You can still have some parts of doubt. Just believe what you can believe and be the Lord's servant. And Mary answered, okay, I don't understand all this, but may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I want to give you some, hopefully, words of hope. You know, you don't have to have it all figured out to be a follower of Christ. You may feel a little bit of reluctance to accept Christ. You may not be sure how this can be true, but I want you to know that faith grows as you put your trust in Christ. Believe the simplicity of the gospel. Believe that Jesus died on the cross. Believe that he rose again the third day. Take it from that fundamental belief of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You don't have to have everything all figured out. Just believe that like a child, and then you will grow in your faith. You'll be like Mary. And you say, okay, I don't understand it all, but may God's word be fulfilled. And there's something else that we see about how different people responded. Some responded immediately. Some responded with reluctance, like Mary. But then we have some who responded immediately. I think about Joseph, right? Let's look at verse number 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he was considering this, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, Hey, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place so that the prophet and his prophecy might be fulfilled that the virgin will conceive and give birth to his son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this is Matthew's account. In verse number 24, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he didn't consummate their marriage until after she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, Joseph was an outstanding man. Uh, When he gets this message through a dream given to him by an angel, immediately after waking up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He didn't question it. He didn't say, how can this be? He said, okay, I'm doing it. I'm going to take Mary. And obviously, he loved Mary, but he was willing to go through the scorn and go through the the hassle uh, and the ridicule of those that live there. But he holds off in a sexual relationship until after Jesus is born. I love Joseph and his willingness to be able to bring this child into the world. 
Well, we've got one other that we've got to look at. And so we're going to finish this up tomorrow. So I hope that you'll join me tomorrow. And we're going to look at that fourth group of people. Tomorrow we're going to look at the shepherds and how they boldly proclaimed the message of peace. I'm going to also share with you tomorrow how you can live at peace, three ways to have continuous peace. So join me tomorrow for the broadcast as we get into part three of how to have continuous peace in my life. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We're getting really close to Christmas. And if you'd like to join us on Christmas Eve, uh, we'll be celebrating the birth of Christ on Christmas Eve at 3 o'clock and then again at 5 o'clock. Come on out to Hickory Ridge Community Church at 3 o'clock. It'll be a drive-in service. At 5 o'clock, it'll be inside candlelight service. And we have Peak Coffee coming as a coffee trailer uh, that will have Chesapeake's finest coffee. And so come have a free cup of coffee on us as we celebrate the birth of Christ. And then on Christmas Day, we'll be gathered for one service at 10 a.m. I would love to see you Christmas weekend. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. Join me for part three tomorrow as we talk about ways to have continuous peace. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.